You've got to really have a really compelling reason why, because as we all know, when you're working towards a goal, things get boring, tough, hard, monotonous, you want to give up, and what makes you stay the cause is coming back to your reason why. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses, many of them accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% savings for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar, at filex.com.au. Taria Pitt's experience with a devastating bushfire could not crush her remarkable spirit. Here, the mindset coach, athlete and author chats with the fitness industry podcast's Belle Fong about unearthing compelling reasons in clients and owning it when your reason isn't real or strong enough, self-image in kids and teens, and the importance of taking time to celebrate and savour achievements before shifting focus to the next goal. All right, Taria Pitt, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to see you again, Belle. Look, it's been a while since I last saw you and you've obviously, a lot of things have happened. You've had a child, you've released a book. Um, I saw you last last week, bro. That's true. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like forever anyway. So let's get into, I guess, the nitty gritty. You know, obviously you're a mindset coach now, you're a best-selling author, you're an athlete and probably one of the most recognised faces in the country. But for those of maybe who don't know who you are, maybe tell us a bit about your backstory. Yeah, sure. So my name's Taria Pitt. I'm an engineer. I love endurance events and I guess most people would know me because I was trapped in a grass fire during an ultramarathon in WA. And since then, I've, you know, I'm really proud that I've achieved some really cool things. I've raised over a million dollars for Interplus. I've done Ironman World Championships and my greatest achievement is my little boy, Huckabye. Oh, that's so nice. How's motherhood treating you? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I'm enjoying it. It's taught me a lot about being selfless and, and having patience. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So after all these years of recovery, you rebuilt your life and basically defied every expectation placed on you. And now, you know, you're showing us that with the right mindset, you can accomplish anything. So how did you get yourself in that right mindset when you're in hospital all those years ago? Yeah, I think it's not so much about getting the right mindset. I don't know if there is such a thing as having the right mindset, but it's more about having a positive mindset. I guess, you know, all of us have challenges and all of us have, have, have setbacks and we have things that we don't do great in and we have things that we fail at. And I think it's about accepting those events and thinking to yourself, okay, well, that's happened and now what do I do about it? Because we can't change the past, you know, but the more we have a positive mindset, the more we believe in ourselves and the more confident we are about our abilities, the better. When you think back to that time, did you ever envisage that you would be in the position that you are now doing what you're doing? I guess, you know, after I was burnt, it was a really all-encompassing injury. So I didn't even really have the bandwidth to think, oh, I wonder if eight years from now if I'll be a mindset coach sitting down with my friend Belle one day getting interviewed for a podcast. And that's, I guess that's one of the key lessons of my story though, is that 
you know, you don't think about the end game so much. And, you know, it's the same at, at the start of an Ironman race. If you think about what you're about to do, four-kilometre swim, 180-kilometre bike ride, 42-kilometre run, in your head you think, man, no way, that's too big, I can't do that. But if you just break it down into little steps, you know, aid station by aid station or in the swim, boy by boy, and in life, day by day or hour by hour, that's how I've achieved everything I've done. And it doesn't really sound sexy and it doesn't, it's not a revelation, mm. it's common sense, but that's just been my strategy. Yeah, cool. So if we look back on your recent athletic pursuits, I feel like you're quite the high achiever. You've done Ironman World Champs, which for those of you that don't do triathlon, you just said there's a 3.8k swim, 180k bike ride, followed by a marathon. You've just done the gruelling run leg of coast to coast in New Zealand. So I guess what drives you to keep challenging yourself in this way or are you just a sucker for punishment? I think with any fitness goal you have, actually with any goal, it's really important to have a really compelling reason for why you want to achieve it. Does that make sense? So, I mean, you you would know that, Belle, because you're in this business of motivating people. So I think, you know, when I set that goal of doing an Ironman, I was in a hospital bed, I couldn't even walk. So to think of one day doing an Ironman, it was, it was a really unrealistic goal, but I had a really compelling reason for wanting to achieve that. And it was because I'd had this accident and I'd always been a high achiever, but because I'd had this accident, everyone's expectations of me plummeted. Mm. So they said to me, oh, well, you're not going to be physical again. You won't be able to do sports again. You won't be able to compete again. But, hey, you might drive again, you know. Mm. You might get a job. You might get married. And I thought that's such bullshit because that's stuff that most people do that, you know. They're all very normal things. And I thought, well, I'm going to show them, I'm going to prove to everyone that I'm fitter and I'm faster and I'm stronger than I was in that ultramarathon and I'm going to I'm going to prove that to them by doing an Ironman. Now, at the time, I didn't even know what an Ironman was. Mm. I thought it was just the guy in the back of a box of Nutrigrain, you know? <laughs> so I think you've got to really have a really compelling reason why because, as we all know, when you're working towards a goal, things get boring, tough, mm. hard, monotonous. You want to give up and what makes you stay the course is coming back to your reason mm. why. And you also do, I guess, other things that are in fitness, like I see that you do Pilates and that kind of stuff. Like what kind of motivates you to keep going to the class or keep going to the gym when you see, for example, you know, PTs might find it really hard to motivate their clients to come at 6am in the morning in the middle of winter. I guess if you're in that situation, I'm not sure if you're a member of a gym or anything, but yeah, what, I guess what, what gets you going to those ty- types of classes? Yeah, like again, it's the same thing, like just having a really clear reason for why you want to go. Like do you want to go so you have more energy for your kids or to fix your back so you don't have to take as many, much pain medication or just to feel better about yourself or to feel sexier or to, to be healthier or to live longer or to be able to stick around and walk your daughter down the aisle when she gets married. You know, you've got to come up with all of these reasons in your mind and, and you've got to be able to attach as much emotion as possible. Because we can all be motivated to do anything. Yeah, I genuinely believe that. So I'll give you an example, Belle. This might not work because I know you're a runner, but would you want to do a 500-kilometre ultramarathon? Hell no. Okay. So what if I said I was going to get the person, well, who do you love the most in the world? Someone really close to you. I'm going to say my niece and nephew. Okay, this is a really extreme example. It's just an example. But I've got a gun to your niece and nephew's head and I say if you don't run 500 kilometres, you won't see them again. Do you think you'd be able to do it? Hell yes. There we go. Yeah. So we can all we can all be motivated to do anything. It's just that we don't really give it that much thought and we don't attach as much emotion to it. Mm. Yeah. Nice stuff. So now that you've <laughs> held a gun to my niece and nephew's head. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Well, it's like it's just proof. It's like, Don't. you know, we, 
if someone said to me, I'm going to take Huckabye away and you'll never see him again, I'd, I'd move heaven and earth. I'd do mm. anything. I'd, I'd do whatever I could to, yeah. to make sure I, I could see him again. And we won't have something with that emotional intensity mm. attached to it, but we can still in our own way, in our own way come up with as many reasons for why we want to do it. It's like that saying they say if, you know, You'll fi- you always find a way if you want to do it, and if not, you'll find an excuse. Yeah, and like it's well, and then it's also being with honest, honest with yourself. Like, do you want to go to the gym at six a.m. in the morning? And if you don't want to, just own it. Mm. Just say I hate getting up early, and I don't want to exercise. I don't want to do it. Mm. You know what I mean? Don't come up with this bullshit. I slept in, or my cat was sick, or my you know whatever. You either want to do something, and if you want to do it, you got to you committed to it. Agree. So now that you've done these grueling two grueling challenges. What is next on your list? I really think, and this is probably a really common theme with a lot of fitness professionals because most fit people I know are quite, you know, ambitious and energetic and and very goal-orientated, and I think that's great. But I also believe we miss a really crucial part in the goal-setting process, and that's, you know, when we achieve something awesome, we go, yeah, that's ticked off the list, what next? Mm. And we immediately set our sights on the next thing. And I think there's a real... I guess there's a real power in learning to savour our achievements. Like, you know, I did the coast-to-coast mountain run. It's not the longest thing I've ever done. It's not the hardest thing I've ever done. But it's the first race I've done since having a baby. I was really proud of myself because I had to, you know, get up really early while the whole house was asleep to get my training sessions done. Sometimes I'd have to put Huckabye in the pram and and take him with me. And so I was really proud of myself after. And and so for this point in time, I guess I'm just savouring in that achievement and reflecting on it was a really big deal for me. You know, I am really proud of myself and I think we should we should find the joy in savouring more. Mm. Agreed. I, I sound like, feel like you're agreeing with everything I say right now. It's... <laughs> I mean, you're telling me some good things. <laughs> how do you how important do you think mindset coaching is for people that work in fitness? Like, for example, personal trainers, you know, yeah. gym owners, that kind of stuff. I think it's really important for everyone on the whole planet. But I think if you're in the business of motivating people and changing people's lives, you really need an understanding of, of how people's mindset works. And I'm not there yet. You know, I'm not an expert on it. I'm on this journey as well. And I'm finding out new stuff about it every week. Mm. Yeah. And I guess, how did you get into the whole mindset coaching, I guess, business? Like what made, what motivated you to, first of all, want to do this kind of stuff? And second of all, how are you learning as much as you can to, I guess, empower other people? Yeah. I always had a pretty positive mindset before the accident, but I just thought I was born that way, you know, and after the fire, I literally had to rebuild my life. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't roll over in bed, you know, and all of my physical abilities were stripped away. So then who who was Terea? Because Terea in my head was someone who was really fit and was a go-getter, but lying there in the hospital bed, I didn't feel like me at all. So I had to rebuild my confidence and my mindset from the ground up. So all of the strategies that I've used, and, you know, I talk about them in my book, Good Selfie, and in my program, School of Champions, they're just strategies that, that I've discovered along the way. Okay, good stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you could give trainers strategies to get their clients in the right mindset, what would you recommend? Yeah, I guess at the, a really specific piece of advice I could give is at that initial consultation with a client get them to be really clear about what it is that they want. You know, when people go to the gym, you ask them what they want, they go, oh. I want to lose five kilos. Or oh, I just, 
I don't know, I just want to be fitter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, what does fitter mean? Do you want to be the CrossFit world champion? I just want to come to yoga three times a week. Yeah. Like get them to be really clear on what it is that they want and then make sure they come up with really really compelling and, and emotional reasons for why they want it because we can all say we want to be the CrossFit world champion but like if we said earlier like how bad do you want it are you willing to sacrifice some parts of your life in order to make that happen now you've just released a book called good selfie for teens so this is packed full of tips and tools for self-confidence and a resilient mindset so what made you decide to come up with this book and if you're, you know, out there to give advice to people in the fitness industry, what would you, I guess, give to impart on them if they're training teenagers? Yeah, so I reckon, first of all, buy the book. And I'm not just saying that because I wrote it, but it's because I think it's really valuable. There's literally hundreds of strategies in there that are all applicable, well, to kids and teens, but even to adults as well. But I guess the reason for why the book originated was that I was just getting bombarded with questions from kids and teens and it was all about, you know, how can I set really big goals like you and how are you so confident and I feel like a failure and every time I go on Instagram I look like, I feel like crap. You know, and all of those things really relate to our mindset. So I I basically wrote answers to every single one of the questions that I've received over the past eight years and that's what Good Selfie is. Yeah, awesome. I think it's so important, I think especially in this day and age with the age of social media and everyone wanting instant information and trying to seek validation from yeah. you know, social media. or And people get addicted to that instant gratification, but it's not lasting. Mm-hmm. You know, working towards a goal and putting in the work to get there and, and accepting the grind and accepting that some days, you know, not every day is going to be sparkly. Not every day you're going to jump out of bed and go, yes, I can't wait to go for my run today. Mm-hmm. Some days you just drag yourself out of bed, you, you hit, your alarm button off and you think, I don't want to go for my run, but you still manage to put on your shoes, put on your running gear, head out the door and go get it done. And then when you achieve your goal, whatever it is, whether that's a marathon or a 5K run, that's a really big hit of, you know, not gratification, but it's so rewarding, you know. So I think we're all addicted to that instant gratification of getting emails and likes and comments, but... There's a lot of value in setting a really big goal and achieving it. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of social media is not real life, right? So I think people get sucked into this vortex of, you know, how many likes I'm going to get and, oh, well, nobody liked it, I'm not going to post it anymore. Whereas if you set yourself a goal and you eventually achieve it, you can relish in the glory of all yeah. the work that's gone into for you to get there. Yeah, and it's, you know, it also reinforces to us that it's it's about you and what you want, you know, and just just focus on your own race, literally, and focus on what it is you're doing. I mean, social media is great. I love it. You know, I've got an audience on social media and, you know, I can talk to my audience, which is fantastic. But we can get caught up in this comparison game of what we think other people's lives look like, even though we know that that's the highlights reel of their life. You know, it's not actually real life. It's not what their life looks like day to day. And one of the really good strategies I've got for that is gratitude. So whenever I start comparing myself to others, I mean, there's a good example, Kona World Championships. I was over there with my bike, you know, with my, you know, all of my gear. And there was these athletes like running down the main highway looking fit as people doing chin-ups on the beach people saying to each other over coffee I just did a casual you know 150k bike ride this morning just to warm up and I felt really out of place I was like why am I here I'm not an athlete I'm not like super fit person like these guys and I 
I felt like I should just pack up and go home because I was comparing myself to all of these other people who came from totally different backgrounds and had totally different stories. And so what I used was gratitude. I focused on wasn't it an awesome opportunity that out of everyone, I I was one of the ones that got invited to go and compete there. How grateful I was to my mum and, and to Michael for helping me get there and get started on the day. How grateful I was to have friends like you who came down to Mollingwalk and, and helped me train for that race. How grateful I was to my coaches, Bruce and Chris Thomas, you know, for all of the work they did in helping me get to that day. How grateful I was to my sponsors. You know, there's a lot of work that goes on to, to get to something like that. So, by not focusing on comparing myself and focusing on, on what I was grateful for, it made me excited to take part in that race. Now, mindset coaching and behaviour change have become quite prominent in the fitness industry, and especially over the last few years. Oh. And I know if you knew 10 years ago before your accident what you knew now about mindset, do you think you would have changed anything about the way that you lived or the way that you, I guess, do things in your own life? I guess that's it's kind of a hard question to answer because... You know, eight years ago, I was, I was going to say a lot younger, but I was a different person. And I think that's, you would have been a different person too eight years ago. You know, we all learn things over the years. So I, I don't think I would have done anything differently because eight years ago, I was pretty stubborn and I didn't really like listening to people. <laughs> so how is that different from now? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think maybe now I'm a bit more mature and I, you know, I do let people tell me what they think and I still don't listen but that's fine as well. Are you referring to your husband there or your partner sorry Michael? No, no, no. Michael's very wise. Okay. <laughs> okay so what recommendations would you give to trainers who are looking to do more training in the mindset space? Yeah I would just I would recommend them that they start by reading and um, there's a lot of great books out there by Martin Seligman and you know, my books and books by Tony Robbins and there's a lot of self-help books out there so I'd recommend they just start by reading and that's that's always the first step I do whenever I'm thinking about exploring a new avenue just start doing my research. And I guess who who are the people that you think that have had the biggest impact on I guess your pathway down mindset coaching in terms of like whether that be authors or motivational speakers like is there anyone you know a handful of people or anyone that kind of stands out to you that's like oh yeah I kind of got started in this section because of this you know, yeah. because of this person. Not really, but whenever I look at someone, I always think of things that I like about them. So I can always see what value they bring to me. And it's not like it's it's a transaction, but I think with anyone, there's always something you can learn from them, you know. And if there's something you don't like about them, well, that's good too because that lets you know, well, I don't want to be like that, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I know a few people in the fitness industry have gone to see Tony Robbins. Yeah, I love Tony. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, my, my dad loved Tony, so we'd be driving along in our 1987 Tarago RV with Tony Robbins unleashed the power within, like, blaring out of the audio speakers. So I love Tony Robbins. I know some people don't, but personally I love him. Yeah. yeah. And I guess tell me a bit about your experience with you going there and you doing the, the walk on hot coals. No, I don't want to tell that, no. mate. That's in my speech. Oh, is it? Okay. That's in my speech. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I'm, I'm really lucky I've gotten to speak with Tony last year. I'm going to speak with him again next month. So, yeah. Watch this space. Yeah, watch okay. this space. So, I think that pretty much wraps up our conversation today. So, I just want to say thanks so much for your time. And if listeners want to find out more about you or your books, where can they go? Go to my website, tarepit.com. I mean, as straightforward as it gets. It's pretty easy. Yep. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Thanks again for talking to the Fitness Industry Podcast, Rhea Pitt. Thank you, guys. 
To learn effective coaching and behavior change techniques, check out Network's online course, Coaching Skills for Maximal Client Results, accredited for CECs and other continuing education points. Go to the Network website, select the Courses tab, and click on Coaching and Behavior Change. Members of Australian Fitness Network save 25% on this course, so head to fitnessnetwork.com.au to grow your skill set and fitness career today. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar at filex.com.au.